how how much of how much of Bartok's life are you influenced by in ways we're yet to find out about? Oh, tremendously. I've I've emulated the guy in so many ways. I think he he influenced my decision to take ska seriously. When I say ska, I'm saying like Don Drummond, you know, ska lights. Yeah. Yeah. Those recordings from that time, which reminded me so much of Eastern European dance music. You know, I can work in there. And there are actually people who listen to this music. It's like there's an audience. Bartok is kind of like why I was like, I can do this. I can, I can create a modern music with the, you know, I can entertain my modern ideas of, of harmony inside danceable music. A ska podcast. I am your former sound boy, Loy, JJ Loy, and I'm joined by the one, the only, the Matt, the Wixen. I don't know where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> it's always something different because I never plan something, but I always try. Yeah. A natural improvist. Yeah, it's me. It's me. Uh, it's me. And boy, JJ, I'm excited for uh, for this one. You know why? Because we got we got we got some guests. I mean, yeah. I wanted to ask you what is what is your relationship uh, with the name Victor Rice, Matt? Mostly sexual. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I mean, my music has had that effect on. People. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, okay. So when we started this podcast, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but like when we started this podcast, and we were kicking around ideas of things we wanted to talk about and people we wanted to talk to. Like Victor Rice was one of the very first names of like, you know what? One day Absolutely. we need to talk to Vic. To do this podcast right, we have to talk to Victor Rice. Oh, yeah. And it's always been like a thing in the back of our minds. Like we're going to get there eventually. Like we're going to find the right episode for it. And to be honest, like oh, I don't. I told him right off at the top. I was like, hey, if there's any kind of like segment you ever want to do, like we're your show. Like come, yeah. come. Like if you ever want to just like drop your knowledge anywhere, please do it here, you know? And so to answer your question, what is the what is my what does the name mean to me? Victor Rice mixed so many of those records. Honestly, like it me like there's the origin story, there's the the Virgin City and the Scofflaws and the Mephiscopheles uh-huh. part. But it was like the megalith era, like after the third wave, when all of the best records were mixed by Victor Rice. That was yeah. when I'm like, man, why does anybody get r- records mixed by anybody else? If it's Aww. not Vic by if it's not mixed by Victor Rice, it's not. It doesn't even seem like it's official. Honestly, like that's what that me- name means to me. It's like that's that's who you go to get it mixed if you're serious. I mean, yeah, and I I, I guess I've always known him as um, being very generous with his time and very generous with his knowledge. Not only in my old podcast, blah blah blah, but um, always always giving me like a little preview of cool little tunes coming up. I heard some stuff off of Smoke years before smoke wow. came out and 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 yes for for sure I, I i can't believe it's taken this long to get him on the show because because uh 
as his nickname goes, he is the guru. If you took all of the records that tonight's guest has mixed, produced, and or appeared on, you're already counting over 100 at least. And many of those records are in our genre of choice, ska, reggae, and dub. Uh, what do you say? He's a New Yorker. He's living in Sao Paulo, Brazil. He's Victor Rice. And his latest project finds him teaming up with Hungarian band, the Pannonia All-Star Ska Orchestra, to explore the possible similarities between traditional Hungarian music and ska. And so we are also joined by Pannonia's founder and lead singer, Christoph Toth. And Christoph, you said we can call you Krisha? Yeah, yeah, it's Chris. My friends call me Krisha. 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 Oh, what was the pet? Lord Panama. Lord Panama. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's because, because the Panama hats and, and, you know, obviously because of my love uh, towards Jamaican artists, especially yeah. Lord Panama. So this is how it combines. <laughs> I like it. I, I like you know what? I like a good stage name. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and we should say Pannonia All Star Scott Orchestra. Also, short we can we'll call them Paso throughout P A S O. Um, they have yeah, been yeah. a Hungarian Scott band formed in Budapest in 2003. So we're catching you now on your 20th anniversary year. Is that wow. right? Yeah, that's true. Wow. Uh, so we're so we got you together uh, to talk about this new album on Bartok's Path. So like the way that the album is is titled, it's like Paso meets Victor Rice, which is different than if Victor Rice was just the mixer on the record or something. What does it mean? First of all, has did Paso and Victor Rice have you guys worked together? I could have looked this up and I just didn't. Uh, have has Vic have you uh, mixed their records before? No, well, actually, I think we worked together first in two thousand seven. I guess. Yeah. Was it that Victor? Yeah. Uh, Vic did some remixes for dub mixes for us uh, for for some of the popular songs like System Connection, and then he mixed a full length album for our side project called Puzzle Roots Rockers, which is like a more reggae dub influence. And uh, that whole album turned out really great. We still love it uh, up to this day, uh, which is a big thing for us <laughs> because usually. When we listen to all the records, we, we always say, "Oh, this should have been run differently, uh, like that." But but we love that sound and we love those songs as well. So uh, it it has the the this uh, the signature sound of Vic Victor Rice, uh, and it's it works very well. But uh, in this new record, at this new record, uh, Victor was the producer as well, and he was also behind the whole concept. Uh, but let me just pass and invite Vic to to tell the whole background and story about that. Okay, because yeah, it's a big, it's a long story. I mean, it, it includes my personal trajectory for, to you know to getting to this point where we did this project. Well, we were definitely going to talk about that too because you're on the record as being a very big Bella Bartok fan, right? And I think <laughs> I owe a, a tremendous you know debt to the guy. And maybe the ska community owes a tremendous debt to the guy because it was because of him that I decided I made some decisions when I was getting out of conservatory not to play other people's music. But I wasn't, uh, but because I had taken a, a, 
a course in the music of Bela Bartok. I, I, it was the first time I realized that he was using like his really modern and angular and sort of fractal compositions. He was, as a source material, he was using the very basic, you know, Hungarian folk music elements, you know, or what he would have called peasant music. Mm-hmm. Um, because he would, he would have derif- differentiated between what the, the, the peasants were doing and what the Romani were doing. And he's like, that's not folk music, that's gypsy music, you know. And, and he, right. he was actually, not only okay. was he, you know, not only did he create ethnomusicology, but he was also one of the original gatekeepers, I guess, in a way. <laughs> you know, the more I've read so much about the guy and, and, I, and, and about his work and his correspondence, and, and the guy was really, uh, uh, publicly, he was, he was a jerk. He was like always <laughs> calling people out on their mistakes and writing to music yeah. magazines saying, you know, this review of Hungarian folk music is absolutely incorrect. This music here is actually a synthesis of something that happened in the city and urban music is bad and peasant music is good and mm. gypsy music is neither. And, you know, and, and, and really like. What years are we talking open. about too? Like what, what, what era are we, are we talking about? We're talking about an amazing year, 1881, that he and Stravinsky were born. So they have parallels throughout their careers. And, and it's easy to see that, like, Stravinsky was, like, the cool guy. <laughs> and Bartok was not. <laughs> Bartok was a huge fan of Stravinsky. And Stravinsky was like, I don't even, you know, it was like Stravinsky's Don Draper. And, and you know, Bartok was that, that you know, upstart, brilliant guy in the elevator saying, I can't believe, I don't know how you sleep at night. And Don Draper's like, I don't even think about you. <laughs> like, that's Stravinsky and Bartok right there. Bartok was a huge fan of Stravinsky, trying to get his shit played in like 1913, you know, in Budapest and stuff. But he was also hugely into recording peasant music. It only became more than, than a joy for him after the Treaty of Trianon which is one of the treaties done at Versailles after World War I, where they dissolved the Austro-Hungarian Empire, right? So in like 1920, mm-hmm. they had this treaty that says, all right, Hungary is now a third its size. And all the neighboring countries now, you know, have that land. And, and what, I guess one of the most profound things that happened because of that is that this entire vast region we knew, we know as Transylvania, was no longer Hungarian, is now Romanian. And so I think from that point on, he had a sense of urgency to preserve these sources, Hungarian sources, before they were lost forever to... Just assuming that these places would be culturally absorbed? Yeah. Like various ethnic okay. groups assimilated into different ethnic groups. Like, because, yeah, I because of this, because I knew we were having this conversation, I learned a lot about Bartok and the kinds of music he was archiving. Uh, from the area and it yeah it's it's very much like like the good kind of nationalism like the preservation of like a a heritage Hmm. and in a way like where i can see like in the in an era of shifting political boundaries and like warfare uh that something like cultural pieces like pieces of a cultural identity might seem in jeopardy and that's why he was afraid that uh, 
all the culture of things would dissolve in a way or or like these gems can be lost uh, through time so he's started to record as many uh, and collect as many folk songs or peasant songs as as, as possible. So it's kind of a song map of, of these regions. Okay, so that's interesting. How did it look? What was he doing? He was transcribing the music into like sheet music, right? I take it. Well, he was going to um, towns oh. and just getting like wax cylinder recordings of people singing. Oh, actually, actual archivist recordings. Okay, right. Like and, in a in a sort of like a map. Was he was he meticulous in his geography too? He was trying to create cultural and I guess geographical uh, connections categorizing music by geography and by you know trying to trace the roots of a melody until its original inception and and that was like culturally and geographically and so he yeah, was actually, just yeah. into this you know and 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 this was like yeah. he was going into the field he, he was he was a guy who didn't get along with the bourgeois class even though he was and okay. he was much more comfortable out in the fields he actually was. He just felt more comfortable amongst the people than he did in, in the cities. Well, one of the things that I read, like I kind of discovered about his uh, his composition style was that he was very much like he was very much trained in the Western traditions and learned up like learned, uh, you know, the Austrian masters and all of that. And but even like in his earliest compositions was incorporating some of the local melodies and like dance rhythms and that kind of stuff into his music. And in a sense, like what he was doing was bringing the country into like the urban, like the high society urban culture in a way that really conveniently, I think uh, it sort of maps a lot of what Jamaican music was, where there was the Mento and the Rastafari and the uh, like Obia brought into like into urban music into the drum and the bass of soul music and like it's it's really like a mixture of of country stories and country like sing-song melodies uh kind of mapped over even like at his time urban in you know Budapest was different than urban in Kingston in the 70s but like it's still similar similar ingredients considering the times and places I guess in a way he saw what was coming in that he knew that globalization was coming, right? But I think the, the, what created the sense of urgency in the guy was more about, because it wasn't just Hungarian music was, which was getting left behind. He actually had a personal concern as well. His mom now lived in Slovakia, you know, like Hungarian right. <laughs> all her life. And all of a sudden her city's in Slovakia and she doesn't get her pension anymore. <laughs> She doesn't have any papers in Slovakia. She's not, you know, being treated as a Slovakian citizen, but she's lost all of her Hungarian, right? You know, he's so I remember like reading about him sort of having to devote having to devote too much time to 
sorting out her pension and, and Kafka-esque bureaucracy shit, you know? Interesting. I mean, yeah, I can't even... What a n- nightmare. And, and Kirsha, obviously, like, you must have you must have some kind of family stories or something because it's not that long ago but like it it seems yeah. like it must be it must be incredibly frustrating like personally and on like a family level let alone on like a an identity nationally actually we have some family history um trafficked by this so uh both of my grandparents aside uh were living in, uh, in Slovakia as well so uh, after the Trianon, and and they moved because of of, of this uh, decision. So they didn't want they they want to stay there. They wanted to uh, come to Hungary, and that's how they moved uh, to Papa, which is like a Western Hungarian uh, small city, and that's where both of my parents are from. So that's that's how uh, this affected our our family. Uh, also, uh, the other thing about Bartok uh, Bela is that uh, he tried to categorize music, but also how, what kind of instruments uh, are used in these regions. So, uh, on this record, which we uh, did the uh, Victor, uh, we use all kinds of instruments which are used uh, in all areas, but as a purist, I'm sure he would not approve that because uh, he would say, oh, this melody can only be played by the hurdy-gurdy or this <laughs> can be played by violin. He really uh, was so, a gatekeeper, huh? Mega yeah. gatekeeper. But, you know, Christian, <laughs> these days, you know, because we, this was something we, we thought about a lot about the project. Christian and I had to think a lot about the politics of what you said, Matt, which was the good kind of nationalism. because. Right. Um, right now, the bad kind of nationalism is a problem in Hungary. So we couldn't oh. really, we couldn't, you know, we, we had to make an effort not to promote the wrong side. Understandable, yeah. And one way that I think we really clinched it or like guaranteed that, that the bad nationalists and the Viktor Orbans of the world of Hungary one, they, they can't embrace this project because there's Jewish music. And Jewish yeah. music is like an integral part of Hungarian culture yeah. that they're willing to acknowledge. But at the same time... <laughs> but there is a Jamaican music. <laughs> I mean, I was right. saying... Uh, I was, also the Jamaican part, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was saying to Krisha, man. I was saying to Krisha, it was like, let's, let's talk about how all these... Let's get music from outside the current borders from the old pre-Trianon borders. borders. Yeah. Like, you know, we may not want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> right. He can explain better than me, but he, he knows that yeah, actually, there's some kind of movement to expand Hungary back to its old. I see. So, so some kind of, so like a, a throwback to a previous Hungarian culture might be, might be kind of politically touchy. Yeah, it's kind of a revisionist uh, style, which is uh, very, very uh, uh, far-right-wing nationalist here. Uh, so it's it's also, it's kind of tricky to balance because, you know, you don't want to lose um, 
all these cultural gems and 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 this heritage also that's why we named this whole album as heritage but on the other hand you really don't want to promote hatred uh, against the other people and the other countries so it's kind of like uh, you have to have find the, the good balance to to promote the right kind of messages and and to bring people together with music Yeah, I've got kind of questions about that. So, uh, so Bartok, you say he's kind of a gatekeeper, and he made real divisions about what's peasant music and what's gypsy music. But you're saying that the peasant music can also include Jewish music. Is there different umbrellas he has, or are there certain things that he forgives? Did he draw ethnic lines? Or honestly, that's something I think that Christian and I were more concerned about. Not only would I say Bartok wasn't concerned about Jewish culture, I would even, I have record of him saying some anti-Semitic shit, which really, really crushed me when I read this stuff. I, you know, but I think his gatekeeper was more about, um, you know, I was concerned with Krisha that, you know, we were originally going to name this record with apologies to Bella Bartok because we uh. think that he would never sign off on a Aryan Jamaican fusion <laughs> but now i but you know the last few, the last few weeks i've been thinking you know but come on like playing hungarian peasant music in a 80 piece orchestra is also not loyal say, yeah. you know sure. so how far are we you know he yeah, urbanized yeah. it too he urbanized it too mm-hmm So, like, when you make a song called Nepkaleti Hora, yeah, uh, a like, what are what does that say to like to the current to 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 the nationalists that you are avoiding? What 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 does that say to Bella Bartok himself? Um, and and where do you, yeah, where where does it all come in? Where how does what's the Jewish connection to? to to this Hungarian project. D d d fill me in on this track in particular. Yeah, so the thing is that uh, it was that that two uh, two songs I put together. So it's 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 kind of complicated to say, but anyway, so it's it's two songs played together and this was brought 
to us uh, by our violin, my fiddle fiddle player, violin player, who is uh, who has been and is also currently is a folk musician, and he plays weekly or uh, or even even uh, more frequently at these uh, Hungarian dance halls, which which are people like uh, dancing these folk dances to to traditional folk music. And he says this works very well, and let's try to do this uh, in our style as well. And uh, we have a lot of gypsy influences in Hungarian folk music as well. It's not the same, okay? Uh, actually, so you can you can tell, but uh, there is a is some fluctuation for sure. Folk music is is evolving continuously, so it's 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 uh, you you can preserve. Uh, something at one point but that is uh like a picture taken at this moment if you hear a folk song which was recorded by uh, Bila Bartok uh, at one point and then it was recorded like uh 50 or 100 years later then it's then you can hear the difference how uh, maybe there's a second verse for the lyrics or the melody changed or something like that so yeah uh, Bartok wanted to preserve uh, these songs, but these songs uh, kept evolving. Uh, meanwhile, so you're saying the horror aspect is a, a later development? It was common. It's not uh, a thing which we did or we uh, forced in, but it's a very natural thing that these players played uh, all kinds of music. This as well, okay. and uh, even. Uh, are uh, violinists who plays in folk uh, formations at the moment. I just had to do it this way because it's played in the Hungarian dances, dance halls, like this at the moment as well. So it's it it seems it, it speaks it, it to might... the current melting pot, not necessarily the old melting pot. Yeah, but but I mean, like this guy uh, who is on the recording, uh, that's an archive recording, so it's not. Uh, it's not recent, it's like decades ago or even more. So Victor, you said that uh, like part of your uh, defense from defense of this album from like the right wing faction is that you included the Jewish some Jewish music. Does that mean that Bella Bartok, despite possibly having uh, anti-Semitic tendencies, was a collector of Jewish music as well? No, no, definitely okay. not. From his repertoire, but, <laughs> but I know that um, Klezmer found its way to Hungary. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Right. 
and uh, and that it is just as much a part as Hungarian of Hungarian culture mm-hmm. as the rest. I know that you know uh, Bartok himself was musically very nationalist in a sense, but I mean he fled both he fled both world wars. He wasn't you know sure. that kind of nationalist. You right, know, right. you know, sure. he died in New York poor. You know. He died of leukemia in 1945 mm. in Queens, New York. Right. And it's only because, here's one for the nerds, it's only because Sergei Kusevitsky, the conductor of the Boston Symphony in 1944 or 45, he wanted to find a way to give Bill Bartok some money because he was very proud and wasn't accepting charity from anybody and he was poor. And he showed up with like a commission for a new orchestral piece. And just because he was trying to find a way to give him some money. And mm-hmm. because of that, Bartok wrote the most iconic piece of his career, which is Concerto for Orchestra. And that's only because Kusevitsky, who was a bass player, <laughs> you know, directed the Boston Symphony, commissioned that piece. And he had to convince me. He's like, no, it's not charity. It's not charity. Swear to God. Swear to God. It's not charity. Like, he was like, nah, this is charity. No. <laughs> finally, finally, finally convinced Bartok to take the money, and he wound up writing like one of the writing like one of the best parts of his. I mean, you could say that he still refused the charity, and then he actually earned that commission. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was paid for his work. I mean, he was like he just you know but he, he could have phoned he could have phoned it in, but he would have felt bad about accepting charity by phoning it in. So, like, he had to knock it out of the park to feel good about taking the money. <laughs> Yeah, he never phoned anything in. So what's uh what what are the similarities between that like sixties? I mean, we can even say specifically Don Drummond because he's probably more alike than a lot of the other songwriters, tune writers of the period. Uh, like, what are the similarities? I guess rhythmically and also melodically. Yeah, I think syncopation is too simple, right? Like, that's, I mean, that's... yeah, there's 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 a lot of easy similarities in the rhythm of I mean, dance music across the globe across time. Uh, where there's there's the similarities there, but like sorry, the, the syncopation is not the same. It's it's similar. It it, it has uh, some kind of similarities for sure, but but the, the kind of the accent and the time is a bit different. Uh, but on the other hand, I think uh, it works for some some of these songs, but uh, doesn't work for some. So that was a hard part to to find. The best songs that that can be transferred or or or, or, uh, or redone. No, I, I agree. We didn't restrict the project to just that tempo of ska music. That to make a point that look, you know, it's Jamaican, it's Hungarian because it's world music. We we definitely opened up uh, rock study and reggae and ideas of the rhythms to to complement the melodies. You know. So in that sense, we weren't really forcing the Jamaican scout. The Don Drummond thing, we weren't forcing too much, no. 
Besides rhythms, do you think that there are any melodies? I mean, especially, I guess, in your own compositions, like you're clearly influenced by some of the scales used elsewhere in the world than Jamaica. Um, yes, but, pentatonics, pentatonics, man. But, like, I mean, so is Don, so is Don Drummond. Exactly, you know? everyone, everyone. Pentatonics is like a beautiful medium you know Ex- like to work explain in that you know five only five notes to the scale you know one two three four five or one two three five six one six five three two one and then you can use that you know you can make any of those notes the root and then you got something else you got another scale you know but you only need five notes sometimes and the less notes you have the more you can fuck up with the harmony man you can really you know the more limited the melody is, the more choices you have harmonically to really make a difference, you know. And, and that's where I get into this shit. And and that's and that's why that's why like folk music from all around the world is pentatonic. I just wanted to point out that we we just now discovered right before we started recording that that one of the earliest Victor Rice tunes that I ever heard agenda is apparently based on one of these breaking news. Yeah, it seems it seems like it's so baked in at this point, right? Like it's part of Victor Rice's sound. Am I wrong, Victor? Dude, that tune is how I know Krisha. That's how I know Eugene Hoots from Gogo Bordello. It's like everybody <laughs> everybody just. Like people heard that tune and then were like, "Hey, that was like your Vulcan signature, yeah." And 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 it's like I did a, an adaptation of this a cappella folk tune I had on a, my anthology of Hungarian folk music. Right? There was there used to be a shop in the Upper East Side, New York, that was just Hungarian stuff, you know, books, records, you know, whatever. And uh, so I grabbed this anthology and I went back and started looking for my own source material, right? And this was the first thing I hit on. And so I made an adaptation of this and it became Agenda, first tune on my first record. And then one day somebody says, yo, you got to come down to the Bulgaria bar down on Canal Street, see my friend who's DJing. He's there every Thursday. You got to see something. I'm like, all right, all right. I went down, the place is filled with Russians and Ukrainians. It's like 19, it's year 2000. And my tune comes on, and the whole place just <laughs> blows up. Yes, it's like, oh, 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 the whole place. I was just like floored. They demanded wow. to play it again. He had to play it a second time. And my friend turns to me, he's like, it's like this every Thursday night, dude. <laughs> It's Victor Rice night every Thursday. So I go over and I meet the DJs, Eugene Hoots, Gorgo Bordello. So we became friends after that, you know. And then by like fast Eugene forward. Eugene Hoots was the DJ that, that blew you up in the in the immigrant community? <laughs> That's so and, and, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's gnarly. And and he didn't know he didn't know it was Hungarian too. They just knew 
What they, just, they just heard it was it was yeah, it was from it was the like, neighborhood. It's hitting the notes, man. The, the upbeat's there, and they're all just like, "Yeah." Wait, 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 wait. No. So wait, are you saying they were psyched on the sky, or they were psyched because they they knew the 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 melody somewhere ancestrally? I think neither. I think they they dug they dug the beat and they heard the notes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah on its own merits yeah that's yeah. <laughs> the beat is the beat and the notes sound kind of kind of homey i don't know yeah, yeah. right I, that's what i imagine that's what i like to imagine that the ukrainians hungarian ukrainians and russians dancing together it just imagine this in 2023 right like you know arms around each other kicking up and drinking and fucking i love you man this was year 2000 in canal street in new york <laughs> every thursday a place called the Bulgaria Bar, which is which was neither, Did, and uh, <laughs> you know, and who was there? A DJ, right? So then, but fast forward twenty oh seven, and and I meet Krisha because they invite me to play in Budapest, open up with my dub thing. Yeah, and they're like, we want we do a tune of yours. <laughs> We'd like you to play bass. We do we do one of your tunes. I'm like, which one? agenda i was like oh fuck no way dude it's the same too <laughs> so it's like it touched these guys you know right, it like goes back, back and forth right just musically communicated something yeah and you were telling us before we joined uh before we hopped on the call that this was your first version city production is that right yeah my first record right at version city it was your first song on the first record i was just was but it, it was also like the first i think the first three or four rec songs on that record are actually the sequence in which they were made like i was making tunes one off and it wasn't until i had about eight or nine that yeah. jeff that django said you need to do your own record you know you keep working on everyone else's stuff <laughs> something oh, tickler yeah. said to me years later he said you got to stop working on other people's stuff you need to do your own record uh -huh. yeah <laughs> but jeff made me jeff made me do at version city and tickler made me do in america you know thanks to them but I just I, I wanted to I wanted to get that down because like this this song is both a, like an origin story for you as a solo artist, and it's also been this this song that like this singular song that's taking you into a couple of places already like, and it's based on this this old tune this old like acapella clip that you sent us. <laughs> Barna legény a kalapját rajta felejtette. Hozd ki kislány a kalapom, tegyed a fejembe, hogy ne süssön a hold világ ragyogó szemem. Hozd ki kislány a kalapom, tegyed a fejembe, hogy ne süssön a hold világ ragyogó szemem. And I think that's that's it's amazing that like it's it's like it's your origin story is like this too, <laughs> almost. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was already playing with the idea of uh, um, I was already inspired by Bartok, and especially like his most simplest stuff, the Microcosmos. He wrote a series of simple and progressively more difficult piano things to teach his son play piano. So they start out very basic and then they get, you know, he has books of them called Microcosmos. And each one gets progressively more difficult. And I love the simplest ones. First two, three books, I love them. I never got past them. And and uh, 
So like Guru, which I did for Scofflaws, was probably my first recorded composition. Right. It goes even back to Scofflaws, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, but that was a real simple, that was a really primitive. The only trick to that, that song is that there's a bar of three, four. Right. And, and, and I only knew it worked because I was playing it. We were playing it on stage and I could see if people were fine with it. And, and, uh, and so we recorded it. You was know, it the that... first time you'd heard a bar of three, four in a ska song? I don't, I don't think anyone ever. I don't, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I have never really listened to a lot of other influence because I, I'm, I'm very like uh, uh, jealous of my own source. <laughs> you know? and, and like, and that's Bartok and a couple other things. Well, I mean, to, to say that, like to have a song like that in the scofflaws and to be like, I know that it worked because I saw we were playing it and the audiences could latch on, like they could vibe with it. But like, that's literally groundbreaking for the genre. To, that's like a, an experiment that nobody had done before. <laughs> I, I can't say that. I can't say that. I mean, that. fair. But for no, me, fair. Was, I, like, like who, cool. Who, this just passed, you know, like. I, like I haven't listened that closely yeah. to Oingo Boingo and seen what they did. Not that it's Jamaican, but if you know uh, what I mean. Like, but I mean, it's, it's a risk and it's something now that like, to hear that, to hear weird phrasings and weird time signatures on a Victor Rice record is not uncommon, but it's still very, very uncommon across the genres. I'm sorry, just uh, what about what about the Scoff Lost tune, uh, Bella? I assume that was in dedication to him, right? Yes, absolutely. And and thanks to you for reminding me of that tune. Um, but there are no real, tr there are no tricks in that. In fact, I would say it's that's more of a Henry Mancini tune. Oh, <laughs> interesting. Okay. I, I know. I that. know. I don't know why. I think I just wanted to call. I think I was sorry that I didn't call Guru Bela. <laughs> Fair. I love it. I love it. Um, so while I'm distracting on the conversation, we'll get back to the main uh, thing, but I just wanted to real quick, like, um, speaking of Virgin City, um, all these uh, Matt Wixon-involved uh, stubborn, what do you call them? Um, still stubborn. Thank you. I'm blanking. Thank you. The still stubborn. You have been covered by quite a few artists on that, Vic. Like, how, how does that make you feel? I feel like I'm doing it right because I've always, my music was always meant to be like, I always cared what musicians thought of my tunes. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and I think that shows, I think the way I think I write tunes that showcase horns and, ah, it's just fucking amazing to see so many people wanting to cover my shit i felt like vindicated somehow it was <laughs> huge it awesome. was fucking huge is what it was yeah i mean 
I more than more than playing like writing music for horn players, I think you just write really great melodies. And I think it's across instruments because honestly, like the only I'm I'm a very amateur bassist, right? But like your bass playing specifically on the records you did with Firebug, the 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 sense of melody, oh, yeah. the sense of melody and space on those records was so inspirational to me. Uh because each one of those is sing-songy in a way that like a Jamaican bassline is supposed to. But there was so much space and like I don't know, like mm. you you also write music melodically that's pleasing for I'm I'm gonna guess it's pleasing for a drummer as well, you know, but like having played well, having learned your bass lines, uh it's fun to play those too. And it, a lot of it is because of the melody. It's such a delight. Each one is a delightful melody to play. Thank you. I, I know my bass line's been getting simpler the more I get better at mixing. It's easier, <laughs> it's easier to make this bass sound big if the less notes you play. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, there's there's so many ways in which you're influential, like as a songwriter, clearly. And I think Still Stubborn is only a part of it, uh, of like the the testament to your songwriting, because so many of these bands have been like really stoked to be like, I'm getting to play this song <laughs> or I'm getting to even put my mark on like this melody that like me and my friends have loved for this long. You've seek like, I guess, less secretly now, like from Scatterlights records that you like you know dubbed over secretly play bass on um <laughs> like i you're a, a, a spectacular bass writer uh let alone bass player like the tone and everything and i know for sure that like the some of the other some of your peers look to your mixes for inspiration still it's like like i know that like agent j is still like for that hi-hat sound or whatever you know like there's so many aspects like your your dub uh i don't know your dub signature has such like a character to it like you've you've just had such an impact in so many aspects and it's it's wild that so many of these like skills and stories start with bar talk it is i mean i i honestly think that like my my I do think I was influenced in ways by Bartok that uh, in my life, you know, and and I definitely was very gatekeeping in the '90s. Oh my God! But now <laughs> I learned to internalize that because that's that's where where it's at is like that we do have like our own definitions of like, what is ska. What do I think it is? That's what I. That's what matters for me. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like you have a I, personal relationship with Scott. I got my my rules for me, my game, my rules. But I remember years ago an interview I did with you. You defined it as can you dance the ska to it? I That's definitely how you can think, tell if, if the music is the ska. I definitely think the tempo has is the first is the first part of it. Like it starts there. Can you dance the dance called the ska to that song? And if not, or if you look ungainly just trying to do that, you know, if it's too fast and if you look like you're trying to like flap your wings rather than just dance, which is why running in place, which is why ska became a leg thing because it was the tempos went up and then it became a leg thing. 
<laughs> but 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 it, it was an arm thing. It was a butt thing. And, it's and being it armed by hips. It was, it was the shoulder thing. It was, you know, these days are all playing leg music. Original tempos there. Laurel Aiken was like, no, the, the thing is, you got to make sure that, like, the back of your blazer, you're, you know, it's, it's a given you're in a suit. Okay. It says, the point is, like, the back of your jacket flips out. You, 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 you stick your butt so that it looks like the tail feather of, of a chicken. And he's like, that's, okay, you got to really up and down that butt. You got to <laughs> swing the butt so that like you flap your tail feather. Literally, he said that was a big part of the scout. He's like, it's not just the shoulders and the arms, but it's like, you know, you got to make your suit flap. You, gotta, <laughs> you yeah. heard it here first, folks. Laura Lakin, Godfather of Ska, said twerk it and make it clap. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Krisha, I had a I had a question kind of while we're on this like thing about um uh, about about I guess what what's accurate in, in in mixing these two. Pannonia has always kind of on some level been been mixing these um national sounds with with ska, right? Yes, actually we started out uh, uh as the first band here in Hungary who it was influenced by Jamaican ska, so uh, it's, it was mainly the third and, and mostly the second wave of ska, uh, which was popular here, and there were no bands following the Jamaican footsteps. Uh, wow. And we wanted to be the first to do so, and we tried to go towards that direction. As we kind of uh, got it, Close to it, it was like 2007. So like we took like four years of of getting uh, to know the style better and better, and 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 uh, recording for, uh, in studios uh, all at once uh, to wheels. So just to approach uh, the 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 more traditional sound. And as soon as as soon as we we almost uh, uh, reached it and, and and were satisfied with the with the results, then we realized that and we started to touring uh, Europe uh, quite a lot and we met a lot of great bands, um, Mr. T Bone, uh, the Obsessions, uh, uh, and and such, and uh, you know Dr. Rinding, we teamed up with him a couple of times. And, you know, like getting to play on these ska festivals, you realize that, okay, but there are bands who can do the same. And this doesn't, uh, we don't really add anything to the general ska scene by by making something uh, similar to like the others. They wanted to to be a part of the, the, uh, and add something to the world of ska. And then we realized that... We wanted to stand out a bit. Not just stand out, but to, to do something special, which was never done before. And uh, we started to jam with the violin guy uh, at the Russell's Roots Rockers gig. You know, the, the, the side uh, project band which we had. Because we, we felt that the violin would fit in, into reggae really well. So let's try yeah. to do that. And we included him on the live which Victor mixed uh, later on, but that it came out much, much later. The thing is that we started to work with the guy and it was like, oh, wow, this works as well. And uh, 
we invited him to to be a part of 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 the uh, ska band as well and 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 play with us and perform with us and then from then on we we kind of like had incorporated more and more hungarian influence and 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 not just hungarian but balkan influence in the music as well and that that uh, got very very uh, unique and and it gave a twist which you could recognize instantly so like if you hear it oh that's hungarian music it's ska wow it's something very different So we started to uh, experiment with these things uh, early on, so like in 2005, 6, 7. And by the time we recorded these songs, then that's the time when, when we first uh, big in person. And from that point, uh, he, he was telling us that he wants to make a record based on Hungarian folk music and, and, and Bartok and, and songs which were collected by Vila Bartok. So uh, it took us like uh, yeah, fifteen years, fifteen <laughs> years, yeah, to 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 realize that dream. So slow things, but we managed. And the main difference between the two things is that the our approach was to have uh, these Jamaican rhythms and those throw some spice on top of that in the form of Hungarian melodies. And and some some kind of you know like it's just like an effect or some spice, but this way it was the other direction. So we picked Hungarian folk melodies, and then we built the foundation after that. So we built the rhythms uh, after that uh, with the leadership of of Vic. But still, still going for Jamaican rhythms almost exclusively. Am I wrong? No, you're right. <laughs> Okay. But but you mean like in the past you would write an instrumental and then add a Hungarian rhythm whereas this yes. time you were or a Hungarian melody I mean and this time you were starting with a Hungarian melody and then turning it into a Jamaican song. Kind of like yeah. That was the process. Uh also uh we had some quotes like uh, famous bass lines or, or classic bass lines yes. uh, here and there. Um, so we tried uh, to... I recognize keep... drum song was in there, right? Pew, 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 pew. That was me. <laughs> it took me a minute. I was like, wait, what am I hearing? I know this song. Oh, my God. I was like trying to do dishes. I was like, wait, what am I hearing? <laughs> Tracked it down, though. <laughs> I wasn't trying to sneak it, but I, that definitely was like when I heard that melody, I was like, oh, it makes me think of drum song. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Interesting. That's so cool. You know, I, everything makes me think of drum song. So it's not. <laughs> Jackie Matu is always with us, right? You know, it's one of my, yeah, when I'm trying to think of a bass line, I, I think, all right, not drum song. What else is left? You know? <laughs> okay, I can't play drum song, but what else is there? Yeah. East of the River now? No, no, you've already done that. <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, how familiar are these melodies in Hungary today? Like, I, I understand, like, these will probably be recognizable as Hungarian broadly or i don't know maybe romanian or slovakian but like would would the tunes themselves be familiar today like are these songs that people still know well some yes uh to people who listen to folk music definitely or who okay. go to these folk dances to, to these dance halls they, these are some some of these are uh, the folk dance hall hits as you can say Sure. But we try to not pick the most obvious ones. Okay. We didn't want to come off as as uh, somebody who tries to uh, rob this or make popularity of 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 uh, trying to uh, like. You're not just commercializing the, your heritage. We wanted to dig deeper and say, "Hey, look." There are a lot of hidden gems and and yeah. very very cool melodies. Let's try to 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 search for these as well. And and the process was like that. So uh, we there were two ways to pick pick a song. Uh, the first the suggestion was uh, came from Vic to to pick uh, mostly the melodies from the Hungarian folk anthology four, and we tried to pick tunes from that and and uh it was midst the the COVID-19 um, pandemic so we were like we didn't have any chance to to meet at all but we we could uh work on on choosing the songs and then when we started we, we were uh, able to rehearse again then we started to work on the rhythms and we sent back okay so you pick this uh, melody or, or song Victor this is the version which we uh, think would work and then we would say okay these are the modifications which i think would work good and then we try it again send back the demo again so uh or the other way was that our violin player as uh, an active folk musician would bring some melodies uh, which are present at at current uh, folk dance halls uh, and then we started to work on those and we sent them to Vic and asked how, how he liked those. And after that, he flew here uh, to Budapest and then we started to work on the stuff in person. That was amazing, by the way. That was amazing because I had been to Budapest before in 1996 because I just wanted to hang out where Bartok hung out. Wow. I did. It was amazing. I had a most amazing time. Nobody knew. I mean, I didn't know Krisha. I didn't know anybody. I didn't, nobody knew I was there. I stayed like a month, just anonymously in Budapest. Right. And I remember one night I went to the cinema and I watched a Jim Jarmusch movie in, yeah. in Budapest. Like, I, that was, that's got to be like one of the coolest things I've ever did in my life. <laughs> You know, I mean, Would that you is so cool. 
Oh, sure. Dead man. Okay. Oh, right. 96, <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Johnny Depp is a dying, <laughs> dying cowboy, and, and uh, he's hanging out with uh, indigenous. Man, back when he was good, right? Ugh. Oh, my God. And, and you know, <laughs> people, it was so funny because, like, <laughs> I'm in Budapest, so I'm watching this film. It's packed, you know. It was packed. And I'm not sure how to take it. Which, like, I never knew how to take, you know, Jarma seriously or not. But there was one moment where, like, you know, indigenous guy said something and everybody laughed so hard. They're like, "Wow!" I was like, I, you know, I got to see that movie again and try to remember where everyone was laughing. All the Hungarians were laughing. Jarma, <laughs> he, knows, he knows his audience, right? So, but, yeah, that was a wicked. So then, you know, fast forward to 20... 2022 last year and i'm there and krisha now that we've sorted out like yeah this thing's gonna happen um you got some backing from the minister ministry of culture you know this is this is this is a go this is a green light we had already done the pre-production we already knew we were you know what we had to work with right we knew the eight tracks or whatever it is that we had to work with I get there, and so I'm there with enough time to rehearse with the band and then go to the recording session. And the rest of the time, Krishna's got me in this house in the old hills of Buda, because Budapest used to be two cities, Buda and Pest. And then they built a bridge, and then it became Budapest, because there's one city on either side of the Danube. Then one day, built some bridges. Yeah, we're talking a long time ago. And then it became Pest. <laughs> but Buda is where Bartok lived. And he set me up in this house, like walking distance from Bartok spot, which I hadn't seen since 96. You know, it's like a museum. And, uh, oh, dude, it was just fucking amazing. You know, like, like going back to the statue of Bartok, like, uh, you know, here you are, my old friend. So last time I saw you was 96, you know, I was like talking to a piece of bronze, like, yo, dude. It, it was, you know, an amazing reconnection. And, uh, and that was made possible by Krisha and by Paso. And, and, and the studio that they chose, that we, we decided on, was next door to the rehearsal, their rehearsal studio, their home base. Literally next door in the same industrial Wow, that's, that's convenient. <laughs> that, became, that became studios and all these other things, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it was so convenient and the studio was so good. The engineer, I forgot his name, Krisha. What's his name? So good, this yeah, guy. It's Vashti. 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 And I would, I would happily make any record in that place, you know. And and I just, I remember, gonna, I was gonna say to him like, how to deal with the drums and stuff, because I have my way of dealing with the drums and my, <laughs> or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. But I was like, you know what? I, I, I don't have time for this. Yeah, I, let me let him do what he thinks is good. And then I'll let me listen to what he does. And what he did was fucking amazing. And I didn't change a thing. I, I have no notes. It's awesome. <laughs> and I, and I, from that point on, I could just totally relax because this guy had, you know, we, we were on the same level page, whatever it is. You know, yeah. and, and from that point on, I could just concern myself with the musical stuff, walk around with the melodica and make sure the horns had all their lines and their ducks in a row. So, Victor, with this, with this project here, you, um, I remember previously you saying that you wanted to someday create a, a, um, 
a kind of sound of samba rock steady and that you would kind of accomplish that fairly recently on uh I guess that was on on smoke, right? Where you where you, where you kind of hit that mark of samba rock steady. It's it's ongoing. Ongoing. Um, but but it's cuz it's 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 not an achievable goal because the swing is different. Rock steady swings differently than samba rock. And with samba rock, the dance is different than rock steady. So I don't think even if I had found the right tempo that works for both, I couldn't get the swing to work for both because the dance is so different. So So it's elusive. For me, it's more like a yeah, yeah, well, for me, it's more like a North Star. Like, I'm not going to go there, but I use it to guide me, you know? And, and like, ah, okay, okay. You know, I use that as sort of like, that's my direction, Samba Rock Steady. So, was there a, was there a similar thing here? Um, no. Did you have like a, 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 a vibe in mind that, that guided you, or were you kind of letting, letting the project shape itself? Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I think, um, you know, from my point of view, you know, marrying Hungarian folk music melodies to Jamaican rhythms was, to me, was absolutely not, uh, uh, it wasn't like this thing we couldn't achieve, you know? I was like, yeah, this will totally work. I, this is what okay. I've been saying. This is what I've been saying for 30 years, basically. <laughs> like, okay. It is the same thing. And you can, you can dance the skia to a Hungarian tune. <laughs> and you can dance the Hungarian dance to a scat tune. You can. So Samba Rocksteady is almost impossible while, thi- while this project is like totally possible. Yeah. Yeah. That's from, from my point of view. Yeah. Totally, love it. totally viable. Totally like, you know, somebody hears this tune and they might think it's a scat tune or they might think it's a Hungarian folk tune. And, and he mentioned that uh, there was... Uh, like funding from the arts ministry? No, oh, absolutely. I mean, I what I loved about hearing about the grant from the ministry was just that they approved of such an idea. You know, I mean, I think they had like five hundred bucks for us or something like that. You know, uh-huh. I don't know how much they had. I don't know how much they had, but it wasn't like it didn't enable us to make the record. But just to have, you know, that for me, I think it was more important to me than. You know, like this means something to the people. <laughs> Nobody got paid their price to make this record. Nobody understood. Uh, a labor of love, right? Uh, but back to the musicians uh, a bit. So it was the other different thing uh, to our previous work was the the instruments because we used a lot of lot more uh, authentic folk instruments this time. So there were like a hurdy gurdy. Okay. Uh, Timbalum, which is symbol, yeah, I guess. Symbolum, okay. uh, symbolum, uh, um, I think is also called a hammered dulcimer. Oh, yeah. okay. English, but it's not the one that you know. It's not a small affair. It's actually kind of a big, the big lap one, right? Yeah, like a table. It's a big table with strings strung like a piano, two different angles, and you hit it with hammers. It's a beautiful, incredible, enchanting sound that you would recognize, but you may never have seen the instrument.
also selected the instruments. There was a, a doromb, which is called goose harp uh, in English, I guess. Harp. Jaw uh, harp, also called juice harp, but more more conventionally known as jaw harp. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah it, they gave me one. You really gave me one. Yeah, hold up. <laughs> All right, it's one of these buggers. You're very good at that. It's a good one. I like I that. Learned, I learned from a Hungarian. Is that does that originate in Hungary or is that from elsewhere? Well, do you know? It's hard to tell, but we know that it's 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 part of 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 our uh, music culture. Sure. Uh, that's that's a big part of uh, American Southern music. Uh, Appalachian music, in fact. Yeah. Yeah, Appalachian, totally. Uh, um, uh, uh, you got to remember that Budapest for a long time was part of the Ottoman Empire. Right. You know, so it's like the, the, the Turkish cultures there. There's the Turk influence. There's the Roman Roma influence. There's like a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of other cultures besides Eastern Europe. Yeah. Huns. They, 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 so it's hard to tell what came from where, huh? Yeah. something i didn't talk about like while i was in budapest this last time making the record is that i got to go to actual folk dances okay to a place it was not like a museum it was like it is a thing still like real just people doing real dance art people getting together and drinking and they know all the tunes and they dance and they know all the dances and it's awesome I mean, I was so. I got to is see that more that. of a rural thing, or is that is that just well, anywhere you go in, kind of thing? This was in Budapest, so maybe it's not as strong, or maybe it's stronger out in the rural areas. I've never been out. I've never been out out of town in Budapest, in in Hungary. Uh, so, uh, so the thing is that. Uh, the folk dances and uh, had a revival in the 60s in Hungary uh, and later on. And this was also a way to revolt against uh, the current, what is uh, then current uh, communist regime. Okay. Because some of the folk songs had some words which could uh, serve as a, as a, um, a coded language or, or uh, had double meanings. Uh, and some uh, beat groups covered some folk songs because of that. So that they uh, were like against the oppression. And, you know, these were uh, lyrics that could mean something different at the current situation at that time. In in a metaphor or in a comparing like that time to this time, you can make that kind of in, in a metaphorical way as well, and also like you know, uh, without any saying any names or or something, but everybody knew it. Okay, 
it's it's uh, this song was created like a couple of hundred years ago but in this situation uh, what they are in at the moment it means uh, uh, the party or the party leader or something like that you know so that's why right. it gives you an alibi people... it can't be about now because it was about then right well i think also that that same movement was happening in brazil against the dictator. i was going to ask you cuz osmitantes has a lot of like coded lyrics right exactly and i think that's the same movement that was happening in 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 it, it struck my brain when he was saying it yeah but i think they were using very folk music whereas i i think um the, the the guys down here in brazil were were creating new ideas and stuff more avant-garde nonsense kind of lyrics right to to avoid persecution prosecution <laughs> To avoid Roberto Carlos, um, and that was a that was was that a communist dictatorship or that was a it was a fascist, fascist. okay ship installed by the U.S. I love I love hearing mm. the ways that music can rebel and just like yeah just by referencing something old or just by being slightly avant garde like it's not it doesn't have to be so overtly rebellious to be. Completely rebellious, you know. It can subvert, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Um, it, how much? How much of that's going on in this record? Are you guys? Are you guys subverting anything by by playing these traditional tunes? Oh, I hope the right people are offended by this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they will. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, so there's another uh, wave of of this Hungarian uh, folk dance halls now. So the, there's another revival at at this time. So and I think it's 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 bigger in the city than in the rural, rural areas right now, because you know uh, young people uh, who have interest in this or or who has uh, this background can meet. Uh, more frequently uh, in the city, there are more places to play this music or dance this music too. In the rural areas, uh, there are less and less opportunities for everything. Uh, this included. That sounds like Brazil as well. If you want to hear some really good folk music from Brazil, you know you're you're, you're probably going to find it in São Paulo, hmm. or in Rio, or in one of the major cities. But out in the sticks where it came from, they're probably listening to uh, Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, naturally. I I feel like it. I I could be wrong, but I feel like it's the opposite in America. I don't right? know anymore. I don't. I don't know where. I don't know where. I don't know where there's folk music anymore in America. Yeah. I, yeah. Is that just my perception too? Like, is folk music kind of dead everywhere? Right. Like, well, ska music is dead in Jamaica, for example. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Of music, you know, they never even owned by the Jamaicans. They never owned it. They never said, yeah, that's, they never, Jamaicans never thought dub was a, a genre. They thought it was a technique. Right. So they're like, that you, they're I like, think they you were guys, right, by the way. <laughs> I, I think that, I think that the people, this is going to be off topic already. Uh, I, I, 
I think that dub really should have been a technique and not a genre. And I think that there's a lot of unlearning we can do about dub because I think there was a lot of potential that got focused on the wrong stuff. Mm. Not you in particular, but I think that there's a lot of dub that went on a lot of dub potential that's gone unrealized because people focus too much on the technological shit that Tubby was doing and not the absolute bonkers anything goes stuff that Lee Perry was doing. <laughs> right? <laughs> But that's a different conversation. <laughs> We're gonna have to do a dub uh, dub show with you one day, Vic. But <laughs> oh my god, I'm so curious. <laughs> well, I think you know, you guys are you guys going to the supernova? I Stop. am. I think I got a bail. I believe I surgery coming I up. I believe Krisha and company will be there. You guys going? Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, we will play yeah, on the 15th of, of September. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see you. I'm excited to meet you. This is this. Yeah. Yes, actually, uh, Tim from Supernova is the one who arranged this at first. He's like, hey, yeah. uh, you got to get Paso on here. So uh, he got me in touch with Krisha, who was like, you got to get Victor Rice on here with us. I'm like, you're <laughs> right. So, <laughs> uh, so here we are. Uh, but yeah, so have you have you guys been to the United States before? No, no, not yet. We've been planning this for like 20 years now. Because yeah. actually our first, first record was released by Megalith Records, like by Buck. Buck. Uh, and um, we've been planning to to come over and, 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 and play. Also, uh, we've been chatting with Django about this for a couple of times. Nice, because you've done some tracks with him, right? Yeah, he was he was he was on our first record. Uh, he had a song called "Where Can I Go." Actually, he has uh, Hungarian roots, and as he was walking the streets of Budapest, he realized uh, that what an effect. Uh, it has on him and how the memories rush him or 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 it starts some uh thoughts that how could have been here how was life uh and has the song name where can i go so uh yeah he was on the that. first record and I after that, that we were chatting with that, you guys we were in budapest yeah. together with django yeah with open season yeah the the Swiss band, right? Yeah. Oh, the band open season. Yes. The band open yeah. season. They're pretty with good. Me, with me and Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Nice. We yes. were in Budapest with Krisha and Chillin. It was awesome. <laughs> and Jeff was like, <laughs> Jeff was definitely impressed. Connected. Yeah. By by the old neighborhood. Yeah. So, Krisha, do you have other plans for your first trip to the United States, or is it just Supernova? Yeah, we have plans. Uh, we're going to play the Drome on the 23rd. It's going to be probably the opening of a Balkan Beatbox uh, Club series. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. And... Robert Soko will DJ there and we will be the the live band according to the current plans. Also, there are some uh, appearances at uh, some Hungarian houses. Uh, we're going to post all the dates as soon as it's uh, solid enough. <laughs> uh, 
to our uh, Facebook site and everything. But I guess the highlight will definitely be the supernova. That's what we're uh, waiting for, really. Uh, and uh, I think it will be awesome to just hang around and, and, and meet those people. We have a lot of people who, whom we, we already know and, uh, and all around the world. So, like, uh, I know the people from Mexico, uh, out of country around me. We, we met the Tokyo Sky Paradise as well. We played Bad Manners a couple of times. At the toasters, definitely. Actually, I myself have already uh, been a guest of, of a toaster show <laughs> in New York City once because my uh, sister lived in New York uh, uh, for a year and um, uh, she married her husband. Then he was her future husband, but then now her husband uh, there. Yeah. And I just went out. Yeah, we just traveled just to, to to be present. And the night I arrived, they said, "Okay, we don't we just go out party." I said, "I'm a bit tired." No, 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 you don't know. But is that I think it was the thirtieth anniversary show with the toasters. So let's wow. check them out. And said, "I did not know anything about that." So I just <laughs> arrived there. Uh, it was a huge surprise. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but he awesome. was happy as well. So what year was that? I think it was. 2011 or 12, something like that. Krisha, wow. are you connecting with Eugene Hutz while you're here? Actually, uh, I might ask Rick to uh, connect me to him as well. because You, you might as well. He, he invites him maybe to Drome to DJ because, he, you know, uh, he also DJs, uh, I think, there. Uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, regular stuff or not. But it would be nice to to meet him, and also uh, it's great that Google Border has uh, Corey Kingston on drums now. He's he's an awesome drummer. They, they got a Brazilian on bass. Wow! Oh, I see. Got his name Santos. I forgot his I forgot his name, but uh, yeah, his bass player is Brazilian. Now Hoots is awesome. He's also a big Bela Bartok fan, and is constantly <laughs> and is constantly like bothering Jim Jarmusch about making a film. Like, I love it. I love that, you know, like Hoots is out there just like prodding people like, do this thing, do this. Thing. It would be cool. That won't make money. I know, but it'd be cool. It'd be cool. <laughs> I love, can I just say, I love for me that our guest's friend bothers Jim Jarmusch. <laughs> that's really, that's really great for me personally. <laughs> I know. I let, you know. You know when I think about mixes because I am very influenced by cinematography, Jarmusch, and and the pacing, and and but also when like my image of when I make a mix is that it's proportionally correct, if not, you know, wide or or something. It's it's like letterbox correct if you're if you're talking in cinema terms and film terms, you know. Um, but it's black and white. I mean, everything, I don't think there are that many colors in my mixes in that sense, or, or at least my, my, the mixed image I have. I'm kind of working with that kind of Jarmish idea. Even when he works in color, it, it, it doesn't matter. The, the composition to me, like, I mix it very low volume. and Yeah, minimalism, right? 
Well, well, I, I listen at a very low volume ever since Virgin City, and and uh, and I try to make the mix sound big in its bonsai scale, like proportionally correct. And then when you listen to it at a regular volume, it sounds even better. You know, that's like it sounds good when it's quiet. It's just going to sound that much better when it's normal volume, right? Mm, yeah. Right. So, uh, and somehow I just, I do think of Jarmusch. I think of like, uh, you know, Stranger Than Paradise mm-hmm. or Down By Law when, when I, uh, visually, right? Yeah. I'm trying to envision a mix. It's like, it's either there or it isn't. And it's static and it's. I mean, in those old movies, he would just set the camera down almost. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them have just a, a a single microphone from in the room. No cutting, yeah. Like like, like live microphone from the camera. So it seems like there's there's a couple of connections that have been brought to light in this conversation. And it sounds like it sounds like you know what Bartok sounds like and you know what Jim Jarmusch sounds like and <laughs> it sounds like Eugene Hutz knows that both of you know what you know. Mm, mm, I mm. feel I feel like I feel like this is this has just gotta happen. I don't know why. Yeah, why aren't you producing them, Vic? <laughs> I I have this oh. streak. I have this streak like the streak lately where I'm like, you know, if I just have an idea and like I, I just I'm sort of manifesting things without being woo about it. But like, like the still stubborn thing was like, I've got an idea and it's turned into this thing that's really been kind of spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. And there's been like a couple of other things lately. And I'm like, you know what? I I need you. I need you and Eugene Hutz and Jim Jarmusch to, to get on this bar talk train together because it seems <laughs> like it's time. It seems like it's time. Help me, Kisha. Okay. Again. Actually, with your interest in Wosa Collective, I, Matt, I think you just need to take a trip over to the Balkans and start. Uh, well, sure. Uh, start your own project over there. Oh, you think I gotta gotta relocate and start my own thing? Yeah, I think you got a vision. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what Eastern Europeans need is me to yep. reinterpret their music. Uh, who knows? I mean, Hoots lived in. He's back in New York, but he lived in. Uh, he's Rio. from Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He's awesome. I met him just because uh I was friends with one of his Ukrainian friends. It was just that easy. I mean, mm-hmm. I actually I, I did meet him actually also just as like a attendee of a concert when they were on their way up. Um and actually I think I saw him on the day that their Gypsy Punks album was released and they happened to be opening for Flogging Molly in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh and so like I and I got to meet him after their set very briefly. Not that it I would it was anything like a professional, you know, but like it was wild to me then that like that guy was just so accessible. And then like not long after that, he was on tour with Madonna. Like him and a couple Gogo Bradella guys were doing this. That is weird. They were doing this like mashup of uh La Isla Bonita and Palatute. And uh 
Like with with the Gogo Bordello guys on stage. Victor's face right now. The audience can't see, but <laughs> there's video. There's video. We can find video of the them. Look of like confusion he's... was amazing. Eugene Hutz is also friends with Bro. Madonna and has performed with her with a mashup of like a Gogo Bordello song and her hit like is La Bonita. I think that was just Donna thirsting on hoots, though. I don't think that was probably. Like, I mean, probably. that is kind of that is kind of her vibe lately, right? It's just kind of yeah, going yeah, from just... scene to scene. Well, we can't we can't yeah. get into the Madonna thing today. Oh, okay, no, no Madonna. <laughs> she does have sky roots. She does have sky um... roots. <laughs> 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 oh, you're gonna have to teach me about that. She well, had do, a band, Chris... Emmy and the Emmys, in the '80s that Emmy definitely Emmys, did yeah. some two tone stuff. Uh, Mark Wasserman documented it. Krisha, uh, I have to say, I'm I'm a bit. I've been a big fan of Pannonia. I think Return of the Pannonians. Um, was it Feel the Rhythm? Feel the Rhythm. Uh, killer records. Mm-hmm. I think you guys just do amazing stuff. You you guys have a, like a real big sound. Um, and I think I, I, I'm just excited to hear this again. I think you're, you're right at home with Mr. Rice. Uh, yeah. Killer stuff. Uh, it's out now, right? Everybody can hear it. Yes. Yes. It's out now. And it's also out on, on, on Vic's, uh, channel on all the streaming platforms. And it's, uh, yeah, it's nice to see. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's among his top songs. Just checked it on, on uh, Apple music. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it's also the uh, um, I checked as well. It's also the top, you know, player in my uh, on my Spotify page as well. Like, it's it's trending on the Vic Rice channel. It's driving my numbers since I I can't get my next record together because <laughs> shit together. But this thing is saving me. It's keeping Numerical. you active in the algorithm. No, I was really psyched because, you know, I got to, I was able to check like where it's being listened to. And the fact that it's being listened to a lot in Hungary mm-hmm. is I, I love that. Hell I love yeah. That. I love that for you. <laughs> uh, actually, also, um, I was I was telling my therapist the other day that I was excited about this, this thing. And I was like, here's why I'm excited. Like, it's this it's like this New York guy that's in Brazil that's got Grammys and he's connected with this Hungarian band that does Jamaican music and they both do Jamaican music, but they're doing this Hungarian folk music. And she's like, you have to send me a link when we're done. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think, I think she's a uh, Hungarian American somewhat. And I don't know, so, something about the description of it, like floored her. And I can't <laughs> wait to find find out her reaction. Yeah. It's an interesting, you wouldn't think there's a connection. Yeah. The guy who taught me Portuguese is a Hungarian. Huh. Ah, how about that? <laughs> we've we've got we've uncovered some deep Hungarian roots in in the Victor Wright story, which is the ska story, kind of now. Like hung, Hungary influenced ska by influencing you. <laughs> how do you feel about that? And and also Paso. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, like Django, Jeff having Hungarian roots, so it's also the the Virgin City story as well. <laughs> yes, for true. 
Oh, that is something I wanted to ask. I mean, I know we basically wrapped up, so we don't have to like it doesn't have to be too <laughs> too uh too deep or anything. But can you guys think of anything um in the traditional Jamaican sense that might have had some kind of Hungarian, Romanian, I don't know, connection? No. Nope. Not a okay. thing. Not really. Yeah. I actually that's why I. That's why. That's what's fascinating to me. They're two very isolated events. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, part of me was thinking of uh, Tonio Kirazako, the Mexican artist that fucked with ska for a few records in the '60s. But even he, like, he had like Moscow ska and Hawaiian ska, and like he, he really liked to like do the genre mixing back then. But even he didn't have like a Hungarian ska, which I, th- I thought he might, you know. But but yeah. Do you not I know? know. No, I have no idea. I don't know man. anything about it's this. Not, it's not amazing. It's kind of on that popcorny, generic ska, but it's it's sixties and it's genre breaking and it's 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 cool, you know. Is it is it genre breaking or is it different melodies over like a simplified ska beat or whatever? Look, I'm not saying like that's fine. Is, I'm just curious. He, I'm just he, asking. I think it's genre breaking in that he oh, is attempting who? to break the genre. It, that yeah, what's his name? Tonio, T-O-N-O, uh, Kurosako, Q-U-I-R. Found him. Um, but for like three or four records, like his whole shtick was like mixing, you know, put a Hawaiian guitar on a ska beat. But it, I mean, it wasn't even like real, oh, real yeah. ska. It was like ska, 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 you know, like. Almost an F Funicello. Oh, I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> I love yeah, that you never heard that. That's awesome. All right, guys, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I think we have. Uh, really dug into it likewise uh Grisha Pannonia all-star Scott orchestra am I getting all the words right meets Victor Rice yeah the new el- the album is called Heritage it's called Heritage on Bartok's path and it is so good it's like my therapist is gonna tell me she loves it you guys <laughs> awesome I love awesome. you guys it's, it's so fantastic yeah, thank you, thank you for giving us the chance to talk about it because it's a, uh, yeah, man, it's like a, a, I'm, I'm glad it's already out there finally. Something's yeah. been, on, you know, it's been cooking for years. It's been in the brain for years, and then been on tape for years. You guys are gonna blow some minds at Supernova this year. Yeah, I'm very excited to see you guys and meet you guys, and for you, America to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> We're looking forward to it. Definitely, it's 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 very exciting. Finally, yes. Finally, yes. Finally, yes. Uh, so the album once again is called Heritage on Bartok's Path. That's uh, Pannonia All Stars Scott Orchestra meets Victor Rice, and you can get that. You can stream it wherever. Is it on vinyl? Uh, can they buy it on vinyl? Soon come. Not yet. Soon we're, we're working on, on it. vinyl. Uh, and also, uh, if you are listening in North America and you might be heading to the Supernova Scott Festival, do see Paso there. It is their North, Amer- North America, United States debut. It's, it's your first time getting to see them, probably, unless you've toured to see them. Uh, so go see them. Uh, 
I'm very excited to finally get to see this band. And I'm very excited that I got to spend time with Krisha and with Victor Rice, the guru. Uh, thank you guys both so much. Awesome. Thank you. Every time, man. And, thank uh, you very much. Well, once again, thank you. This has been Horn Pod. My name is Matt Wixen. That's my co-host. I'm JJ Lloyd. Thank you so much. Good night. We'll talk to you so much soon. Later soon. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, thank, thank you, you, JJ. Thank you, Kusha. Talk soon. Thanks. Thanks, Lutz. questions you know oh we'll talk again we'll talk again Vic. don't you worry <laughs> we got the foot in the door now <laughs> we're about to start two sub podcasts with you now he didn't know what we did with the slackers <laughs> <laughs> i don't i gotta i gotta <laughs> dig in i gotta dig in <laughs> we did a whole thing with we them. did a mini series with them we've ended up doing like a nine episode thing so far with various or all members of the slackers talking about we basically got the oral history of their band with them (laughs) during the pandemic times so whenever you're ready for the rebuttal vic like we're we're down for it yeah all right let me get in or maybe we get a we get like another couple heads and we do like a really serious dub podcast i don't know well jay will be down here in august and we'll be chilling at my house for a couple of days so maybe we holy shit yeah yeah we plan on uh cooking things here in the in the studio yeah you got to oh my god i'm so psyched <laughs> i'm yeah, excited. super psyched super psyched